Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Enjoy today's message. We welcome all of our uh, online viewers tonight. Can we just welcome them? So good to have you guys. Well, go ahead and uh, give a couple people a high five and you can have a seat. Well, how many of you guys are ready for Christmas? Anybody ready for Christmas? Anybody not ready for Christmas? Oh, a lot of you guys. Wow. Well, Pastor Tim says his uh, love and his greeting to you guys tonight. He is making some fabulous progress. And I'm sure you guys have seen all the posts and everything that's going on. But he's doing very well. And, of course, uh, it's going to be a little journey. So keep praying. Keep believing for him and standing in the gap for them and encouraging them. And just, uh, man, I, I, he just wanted me to tell you guys, thank you guys for just the outpouring of love. And he knows that you guys are praying. And, and uh, he will be back soon. Amen. It's going to be good. Until then, you're stuck with me tonight. So that's just how it is going to be tonight. So, well, I'm Pastor Tom. And if, uh, if you're new tonight, we just, uh, man, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for spending uh, your midweek with us. And uh, I, seriously, some of you guys aren't ready for Christmas. What's the deal? Like, we're like less than, you know, it's like a week away. We got to get ready. And um, I don't know about you, but there's nothing that gets me in the Christmas spirit more than seeing Christmas lights. And uh, I'm the guy who the day after Thanksgiving, like I'm usually out putting up my lights and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, this week, actually, me and my wife and my, and my daughter, my daughter left for New York uh, today. She's so lucky that she gets to go to New York and hang out in New York City. Like, I'm like, what's up? What, let, left your dad here? But uh, we took a trip around Ocala uh, the other night, so we stopped and got some ice cream because that, you got to get ice cream to make a trip around Ocala. And, uh, but we stopped and got some ice cream, and we were looking for Christmas spirit. We were looking for Christmas lights and uh, just trying to find out how much spirit our, our little city has. And, and um, I was kind of depressed. Like, there's, there's not a lot of lights out there. So uh, you guys need to get ready for Christmas. It's like a week away. And I don't know if you guys, but I just love Christmas lights, and I love, uh, there's a show actually on TV right now called The Great Christmas Light Fight. Have anybody seen that? It's like the most epic show. And so I want to show you guys uh, a, cool, a couple cool pictures, like, that's legit, right? Like, I would hate to see their electric bill. Uh, but there was another one that was really cool, too. You can go up to the next one. Like... That one, like, won the one night that I watched, and it was just, like, over the top. Like, they built, like, a castle, and their house is, like, in the middle of all that. Like, just blows my mind. And I'm like, what do these people do? And then that one, I don't know about that one. I have, like, mixed feelings. Like, it's kind of gaudy looking, you know, kind of thing. But there's actually two families that were from Ocala uh, that were on the show. And so if you get a chance, you can uh, stalk them and go see it. And then... Hey, do you guys know this picture? That's right, Ocala, come on. 
so, so we did find some Christmas spirit the other night, and we had a blast looking at some of the lights. And so, um, but if it's all right with you guys tonight, I thought we would just go ahead, even though some of you guys aren't prepared for Christmas yet, we would go ahead and just get a little excited about Christmas. And not just about Christmas, but what God wants to do in and through you and me. How about that? Can we get excited about that tonight? Good, 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 good. So join me as we pray uh, over tonight. God, we just thank you for your presence first and foremost. God, wow, we just got to spend some time in your presence, God, and that can change everything. So God, thank you, God, and we just lift you up, God. We love you tonight, and um, God, I just thank you for this group of people that you, it's not a coincidence that we're here tonight, um, and you're going to speak to us, God. So thank you for, in advance, for what you're going to do in and through us. And so God, we just pray for everyone Um, as they get ready for Christmas and they celebrate Christmas in all the different ways, God, that they would be blessed and, God, that you would look for ways for us to display our lights. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. Well, a few weeks ago, if you guys remember, if you were here, uh, we talked about, right after Thanksgiving, we talked about the special sauce. You guys remember that? We talked about the special sauce is the attitude of gratitude, if you guys remember that. And then the week after that, we talked a little bit about how God's generosity is amazing. Everybody say amazing. And we talked about how we are supposed to live a life that has like a sense of wow and a sense of awe and a sense of amazement. And um, we talked a little bit about Jesus, if you remember. And we just like totally lifted him up and just talked about how crazy amazing he is. And um, just so you guys know, uh, Jesus is amazing. Like... If you, if you, you kind of came in here kind of wondering if he isn't that, like, awesome, like, he really is that awesome. Like, Jesus is amazing. And um, all throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus was amazing people. And if you guys ever start, I would encourage you to start in the Gospels and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John because you see all these amazing stories of Jesus just wowing people and people marveling and people just being amazed. I mean, he stilled a storm. He, the disciples were amazed in uh, Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus casting a demon out of a guy that was mute and he begins to speak and the people were amazed. Matthew 15, we see this great multitude of people that came with every kind of disease. Jesus healed them and everyone was amazed. And then we even see near the end of his life before he goes to be Uh, crucified, that even Pilate was amazed by what he didn't say and didn't do. And we just see all throughout scripture that, that people were amazed by how, just simply how awesome Jesus is. And we can, man, we could just spend, I mean, weeks and days, I mean, just months just talking about how amazing God is. And I hope that you'll never get tired. I don't know about you, but I just never get tired of thinking and talking about Jesus. Like, there's just something about him, right, that's just so amazing. And, man, I hope you never get tired. But here's my big question for you guys tonight. What wows God? What are the things that, that wow him? And if he were to see, like, the, you know, we saw the lights and we go around and, and even driving downtown, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I like that. It's digging that. And and, and so we we get these wow moments of these lights, but what kind of light display? What kind of light display would just simply amaze God? 
And so this week I tried to find in Scripture the places where Jesus was amazed. And did you know that there's only two places in Scripture where it says that Jesus was amazed? Do you guys want to know where they are? I thought you did. Cool. All right. So two places. Luke chapter 7 in verse uh, 6 through 10, it says this. So Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. Say to my servant, do this, and, do, and he does that. He's the boss. And, uh, but when Jesus heard this, he was what? Amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said this, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. I just love this story. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute about the centurion sermon. But the other place that we find that Jesus was amazed is in Mark chapter 6. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So they were just amazed at him, right? And now they're offended by him. It's crazy. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So we see two times in scripture that Jesus was amazed. The first time at the, uh, the great faith that the centurion servant had. He was amazed at the amount of faith. And then the other time he was amazed at the lack of faith. And so if we look at that, the word faith, the word amazed there is the word thamazo, which means to wonder, to marvel, to be astonished, or to be amazed. And so we know that it was commonplace, right, for us to be amazed, for people to be amazed at Jesus. They were marveling. They were you know, they had wonder, they had excitement, they had these wow things that they saw Jesus do and they were amazed. But here we only find two places in scripture where Jesus was amazed, where he was found in wonder and marvel and astonished. And the one is with the centurion's servant. And I just love this story. And if you've never uh, read a little bit about this, there's a commentary by MacArthur and he, he kind of breaks down what a centurion's servant is. And He said, a centurion is is a title given to what was essentially a captain in the Roman army. army. And they were the highest ranking non-commissioned officers. And they got their rank of being being the centurion servant by moving up through being battle tested. And so these guys were the backbone of the Roman army. And centurion connects to the word century, which connects to the word 100. So there's most likely these guys had 100 men under, under them that they were responsible for. And, of course, that number is probably a little bit flexible. They probably had some more. or Maybe some of the guys had less. But they got to where they were because of their force of their commitment, their loyalty, their courage, their bravery, their fortitude, and their strength. And so these servants were, you know, these, these men, manly men who 
they didn't sit behind a rock and fire missiles at the enemy. These guys fought hand-to-hand battles. I mean, these were, these were some rough dudes, right? I mean, they were like, you, you didn't want to mess with these guys. And not only could they fight, but we know that these, these men could lead. And they led by commanding, and they also led by example. And they also understood, as we see in this story, they understood submission, they understood authority. And so we see in this story that he knew how amazing Jesus was. And so he knew, he understood the, the, the chain of command. He understood power. He understood authority. He understood loyalty. And he understood all those kind of things. And so all, all he had to do is say, you say it to be done. And I know, I trust, I, I have dependability. I can trust and rely upon that your word is good enough when what's been, what you've been said is going to happen. Right? And so we see this in there and it's this, Great faith that amazes Jesus. So tonight, we're all going to become centurion servants. We're going to take you guys through a gauntlet of exercises. And I know some of you guys didn't come ready. Some of you were in dresses and high heels. Uh, And so you'll probably get taken out early in the game. Uh, But we're, no, no, that was not what we're going to do. Wouldn't that be cool if we could all become centurion servants? But we can't. But we can choose to have great faith. We can choose to be people of great faith. And so what is faith? Faith at its very core is just this radical reliance upon and dependence upon and trust in God. That's what faith is. And we've been in this series the entire year called Believe. You guys remember that? We've been doing that. Right, been walking through the Bible and learning what we believe, but at the central of everything that we are and everything that we do is faith. It's central to us. This this dependence and reliance upon God and our trust in Him is the core. So, how do we build our faith? How do we become people of great faith that when we're on display, Jesus would look at us and be like, Wow! And be amazed. That's the goal by the end of the night. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So then faith, everybody say faith. Faith. Comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing uh, through the word of God. And so great faith happens. (laughs) I know this is like, it's going to blow your mind, but great, great faith happens simply by being connected To God. Like, I wish I could make it harder and more difficult. Like, I wish I could make it more complicated and give you, like, seven steps. But, like, that's it. Like, our connection to God releases faith in our life. And I don't know if you guys uh, have discovered this yet, but uh, several years ago, because I hang up Christmas lights, and I don't do anything crazy, but I do hang up, you know, the icicle lights, and we do some stuff along our path and all that kind of stuff. And I found that, like, I will use, like, probably 50 extension cords, right? And um, I know they actually, you can buy ones that are, like, longer. But when you have just a bunch of extension cords laying around your house, it's it's like, why do that? Just hook them all together. And um, some of them really aren't even outside extension cords, so... I'm, like, taking stuff from my kids' rooms and hooking them together, putting electrical tape, like, whatever works, right? 
But I found this amazing thing that if you tie all the extension cords and all your lights into this one place, and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm going to show you a picture of it. That's it. It's like, it's this box that has an outlet, and then I tie everything into that box. And here's the coolest thing. The box comes with a remote. And so, like, all I have to do is, like, go into the kitchen, press the remote, and voila, the lights are on. It's the coolest thing. But that thing really, it represents God. It represents his word. And if we would just get connected to it, we would be connected to the source that produces the light. And so there's three things that I want to talk to you guys about tonight that will help boost your faith, that will help grow your faith. And, and it really is the word of God. And, but there's some things that we need to know and understand about the word of God. And the first thing is this. God's word has substance. I mean, it has substance. It's like pot roast. You know what I'm talking about? With carrots and, and it's been in a crock pot for a whole day. Like, it's, it's got substance. It's not, you know, like just this little piece of meat and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pot roast. It's, it's, this, it's this thing that has substance. And we all have to eat, right? We all have to eat. And we have to live to eat, but one of the things that I love about Jesus and the things that, I, that just amazes me about him, we see this in Matthew chapter 4. After he, was being, uh, he, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, what does the enemy do? The first thing he does is tempts him with food. With food. Check this out in Matthew chapter 4. But he answered and said, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Jesus, even in that moment, he knew as the devil was trying to tempt him. And he said, man, you could turn those stones into bread and you could eat and be satisfied. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It is written. It has been written that you don't live on bread alone, that you live by the things that come out of, of God's mouth. And so these words that lay in these pages are the words that become our breath. They are the words that become our source. They are the words that give us life and joy and happiness. And the promises of God are true. The promises of God are true. And I love what, uh, I love, uh, you guys probably don't know this about me, but I love poetry. Some of you guys are like, what? Like he doesn't look like a guy that would like poetry, right? What do you mean by that? Come on. But one of my favorite poets, his name is David Bowden. And um, he wrote and originally performed this. And I think he said it best. He said, I believe in the scriptures. In the beginning there were words. For no sky nor dirt, rock nor birds, heaven nor earth, death nor birth, words. Words of God, spoken script, speaking scripture, holy writ. The writing builder, building mountains out of nouns, plants and herbs and from active verbs, planting nations in punctuation, preparing solar positions with prepositions. Nature's narrative was rich with adjectives, but man was dirt and needed an additive. So God added his imperative, impairing the dirt of its ability to be sedative. So came the breath of life. The words that made our dirt are relative. We are born of the Bible. Letters formed our limbs. 
How can I deny God's word when they are written on my skin? In this breath of life, God breathed to begin. You know the words in which I speak. You've memorized them. They are the Pentateuch, Torah, history books, poets, major and minor prophets, the gospels, acts of the apostles, and their epistles. They are our scriptures. These ancient divine whispers, scribed by enlightened scriptors, passed down to modern listeners. The mouth by which the universe was founded is the found on which our scriptures are grounded. Listen to where the Bible was originally sounded, for it's far better than what we have lobbied or traditions copied or our own doctrines embodied. The scripture says that scripture is God-breathed. That means the breath that filled the nostrils of the ground, the life blown into dirt, the heartbeat that made the single uh, simple renown, that is what can be found in what has been written down. So, I believe in the scriptures. Where God had breathed the breath of life, where we find the vows between eternal husband and earthly wife, where saints and martyrs find comfort for their strife, and stone hearts come to get cut with a knife. I believe in the scriptures. When God breathed on dirt, he got man, and when he breathed on man, he got words. The words are not in the dirt, but in the breath, and the breath passes from man to man until they return to the dirt, the eternal chain of command. The passing of words, and now the words are in our hands. But so often they're only found behind our lips or on our eyes, within church doors in red and black lines, printed on our shirts, our commitments disguise. What we claim is truth, our lives say is a lie, but I believe in the scriptures. For those scribal scribblings refuse to stay on the page, for they give life so life is required to be paid. The word in your Bibles are not meant to lay on paper, but to be resurrected in your flesh as you die to them every day. I believe in the scriptures. For by them and through them and to them we are made. They are the words that form my bones and the ones that will call me from the grave. They are the ink on my flesh, the pen on my tongue. They are the words by which creation begun and through which recreation will be done. They are the words of God and we are his listeners I believe God still speaks, and I believe in the scriptures. God's word, it's got substance. It's got substance. It has meaning. It can change us. It can change us. We need to believe in the scriptures. Number two is is God's word is our weapon. God's word is our weapon. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is living and what? Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And this is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And so we see in Hebrews that God's word is truly a weapon. It has the power to convict us. It has the power to convert us. It has the power to... Uh, expose us and bring us from the darkness into the light. And so many times, though, I think we think that the word condemns us, that it tries to judge us. And I think we need to understand that it's not trying to judge us, it's trying to expose us and convict us so that we can be convinced. The word convicts us so that he can convince us of who he is and who we are in him. Last week, I was in class with um, some of our students. Uh, by the way, we have a college. 
uh, Meadowbrook College. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's changing the world, changing students. They're going to change the world. It's going to be amazing. And uh, so you can check out that on, on our website if you're interested in that. But we were in class with some students, and they were nearing the end of their semester. And we were talking about God's written word and how powerful his written word is when it becomes the rhema word. That as we spend time listening to the written word, God reveals to us. He gives us revelation, which becomes a rhema word. It becomes revealed knowledge to us. Have you, and you guys have experienced that where you're reading a passage of scripture and there's a word or a phrase that just, it seems like it almost pops off the page, right? And you just, you, you want to hold on to that. And you, some of you guys tattoo it and make cool things out of it. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, that word that becomes such a, so alive to us. And then there's the prophetic word. And the prophetic word, in the, and in the New Testament, we see the example that we're supposed to earnestly desire. Of all the spiritual gifts, we're supposed to desire prophecy. And because in the New Testament, we see the example of prophecy being used to edify, to build up, to encourage, and to inspire other people. And I love what happened in this class. We were doing this little exercise and we had uh, students, and I have, sometimes I have, we just have students do awkward things. So I had them sitting uh, face-to-face, staring into each other's eyes. That would be awkward, right? If we did that right now, like with somebody you didn't know. But they were staring into each other's eyes, and then I had them do this exercise where I said, I want the person on the left, I want you to just simply ask God what he wants to say through you to that person. And then I said, I want the person on the right, I want you to ask God what you want him to say to you. And so I had them spend some time processing and talking to God. And then I said, okay, now the person who, who has the word, you feel like God, you sent something God's given to you, I want you to speak that. And so this one particular uh, two girls, she spoke this word. And this girl on the, on the right side immediately began to just weep. Because the very word that God said he wanted to speak to her was the same word that she spoke to her. And you might think that's a coincidence, but it's not. That is God's word. It is powerful. It is active. And it's there to build you up and to encourage you and to inspire you. And so this girl who was feeling alone, she was feeling abandoned. The enemy was coming at her and telling her all these lies. And she heard God say, I want you to know that you're not alone. And then that, that's the very thing that she spoke to that girl. And so I want to encourage you that, man, God's word is powerful. And it will meet you right where you are. Ephesians, it's a weapon. Ephesians chapter 6, we know this. It's the the story of uh, putting on the full armor of God, and it tells us to stand. And then in verse 16, it says, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. Remember what faith is, right? It's that reliance. It's that dependence and trust upon God, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The word of God. It's a weapon. And so, man, I I need you guys to kind of see this tonight. Because this is like the coolest thing. You guys can tell I'm excited about Jesus, right? Okay, good. To stand, it says in the scripture, to stand. And that means to maintain ground. So if you can kind of get a picture, when you're maintaining ground, 
you're not just kind of like standing like all hunched over and like defeated. No, you're standing like you're, you're holding ground. There's nothing that can move you or, or reposition you, right? And then it says, after you have done that to stand, it says, take the shield of faith. And you need to know this. The shield of faith was four feet long and two and a half feet wide. I, w- I was, I was going to cut out a cardboard to show you just how awesome it is tonight. But just imagine taking that shield of faith. You take up that, de- that dependence, that trust, that reliance upon God. And as you raise that shield of faith, there is nothing that the enemy can bring at you that you can't defend against. It's such a cool visual. So we have this defense of our faith up. And as soon as that defense is up and we, we are blocking those arrows, guess what then we do? We take the, the word of God, the, the, the sword, right? And we're able to then go on the offense. And so if you can imagine this, it's faith, it is written. Faith, it is written. The promises of God, the things that he says about us, that it has been written, and all we have to do is declare those things. And there's nothing that the enemy can do. We see this example of Jesus earlier in Matthew chapter 4. It was through his faith and then him speaking the word that it has been written that the enemy was defeated. Now, some of you guys are like, okay, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. So let me break it down. Is there any Star Wars fans in the house? Does anybody already have their tickets? All right, so I'm, I'm not the craziest Star Wars fan. Like, I'm not going to dress up um, when I go to the show. Now, I know there's some people who will, and I'm not going to judge you for that. Like, that's totally cool. But I probably will take a picture of you and post it. Um, but, the, but, but I'm not that kind of crazy. But there's, there's this one part in Empire Strikes Back, and it's one of my favorite scenes and it's the scene where Luke and uh, Yoda, and, 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 and Luke crashes, him and R2 crash the X-Wing fighter in the bog. And so it's like, it's, 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 in, the, it's in the swamp. It's, it's done, okay? And so Luke, you know, he's, he's trying to learn, and, and you guys, Yoda is just like the coolest dude, right? And, um, and so Luke, he, he says, man, we're never going to get it out. We're never going to do it in... Of course, Yoda says, so certain are you? Always with you, it cannot be done. Hear you nothing that I say? And so he's like, master, moving stones is one thing, but this thing is totally different. And he says, no, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. And then he says this, I love this, this is the best slide. He says, all right, I'll try. And he said, no, try not or do not. There is no try, right? And so then, you know, Luke, he's like, I can't, it's too big. And so then we know if you remember the scene in the movie, like Yoda just is like, boom. He just like closes his eyes. The X-wing fighter comes out of the swamp, right? And he comes over. And then Luke is like, I just can't, I think it's too big. And then, of course, Yoda says, size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? And well, you should not. For my ally is the force, and a powerful ally it is. He said, life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. And then he says this, I love this. Luminous beings are we, not the crude matter. You must feel the force around you, here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere, yes. Even between the land and the ship. 
And, of course, Luke says, you want the impossible. And then, of course, the thing comes out of the, you know, the muck, the swamp. And Luke's like, I don't believe it. And, of course, Yoda says, that is why you fail. So there you go for all you Star Wars fans, right? But here's, here's the reality. God's word says that we are luminous beings. That our belief, that our trust, our reliance and dependence upon God, it has the ability to overcome anything in our lives. It is a weapon. And it has authority. And it's greater than any lightsaber there is. Amen. Amen. Here's the third thing. The last thing is God's word is, is our light. Psalms 119.105 says, of course, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And then in Matthew chapter 5, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does, it any, or, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I believe in the scriptures and daily intake and exposure to the word of God will not only make your faith great, it makes our lights shine. And imagine that we all could be a walking display of light. So you might say, well, what's the big deal? We got to believe. God wants us to have great faith. 1 Peter 2.9, I love this verse. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And then listen to this. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. Where? Out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's time for us to go and proclaim and to let our light shine. So we're going to close a little bit different tonight. You can go ahead and stand. And uh, you guys probably know I'm a horrible singer. You've probably experienced that before. So I'm going to have you guys all sing with me. And um, there was a song, and I didn't get saved. I didn't grow up in the church, and I didn't get saved until I was a senior in high school. And and this was kind of like a cheesy song that we used to sing and teach kids. And, but it was one of those songs that I can remember early on. It was one of those, those fun songs. I went to, I remember if you guys, I told you guys before, like I, I didn't go to a cool church like this. Like I went to kind of a boring church where you couldn't like have any fun. And uh, there are those around, you know that, right? <laughs> Stay away from those churches. Finds you a good Bible-believing, exciting church to go to. But uh, so we were in this little church, and it was a Nazarene church, and I shouldn't have said that. but um, And we used to do this thing called the Nazarene swirl because you weren't allowed to dance, but you had to keep your two feet on the ground, and you would just kind of do this. That was like our rebellious uh, part of us that would do that. But we used to sing this song, and it was called This Little Light of Mine. And so I just thought it would be fitting tonight that we would close and sing that song together. And so the chorus goes like this. It's just this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And then the second verse is, you guys, you guys know it, right? Some of you guys are like, it's that hide it under a bushel. No, 
I'm going to let it shine. And then the third verse is the best verse. It says, don't let Satan it out, right? You got to move it. You can't let him blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. So we're going to sing this together, and you guys need to be loud. I'm going to try to be not so loud because I'm a horrible singer, all right? So come on, put your light up. Here we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. All right, here we go. Hide it under a bushel? No. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. There you go. You got it. All right, don't let Satan blow it out. Don't let Satan... It I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan it I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan it I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Woo! Man, you guys are awesome. God, we just thank you tonight, God, for your presence. And God, we thank you for your word. God, it does. It has the ability to change us. And so, God, thank you that it it has substance, God. It's our weapon. And God, you have called us to be light. So, God, over the next week as we prepare for Christmas, God, would you simply use us, God, and do something in and through us, God. And I just pray God, for everybody during this season that's struggling, God, that your word, God, would be alive and active. And God, I just pray for prophetic words. I pray for words of encouragement and inspiration. And even right now, God, those who are feeling alone, God, we just speak to them right now. You are not alone and you are never without help. God, thank you for this season. It's all about you. We love you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.